Good evening and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. As always, I am Bryson Carver. We've got a fun Friday show to, to end the week. First week back uh, from the two-week vacation. Very excited. Uh, again, it's been a lot of NFL talk. Training camp just started. We've already had a ton of training camp news. Some being unfortunate, obviously, regarding uh, Joe Burrow, who I will get to in the second segment. We actually got an update on Joe Burrow today. I'll get into him later in the show and the whole... Listen, there, there's sometimes there's things that we happen that happen in life. We have plans, and then something unexpected happens, and you gotta you gotta pivot. You gotta you gotta make adjustments. I think Joe Burrow's in that same position um, in terms of his future in Cincinnati. I'll get to that in just a moment. I should say on my second segment of the show. Also, looking forward to getting into Dak Prescott, my man. Listen, I'm a Steelers fan through and through. As I actually, it's the first show I'm wearing a Steelers hat to start. So very excited about that. Uh, but. Dak Prescott was talking about the whole interception. Obviously, that was something that uh, I think was, to a certain degree, blown out of proportion. And then, to a certain degree, maybe was was underplayed a little bit by Dak, by the media, by some uh, within the Dallas Cowboys. I'll get to that as as and why you know he's taking the exact right approach to this new 2023 season. By the way, Dak turns 30 tomorrow, so happy early birthday to Rain Dakota Prescott. Also, uh, a a a theory that I've got. It's just a theory. I'm basing it off of facts, but it's a theory. It's not a conspiracy theory, but it's just a prediction about the NFL's ratings. And it's connected to something that you might not have thought it was going to be connected to at the end of today's show. Also, by the way, a massive, massive problem. I have with the NFL's top 100 players list. They've been doing it since 2011 where the players vote on the top 100 players in the NFL. And there was one that stuck out to me that made me want to just vomit uh, when I saw it because it was it was sickening. They just released their episode. I think it's on NFL Plus or whatever it is today. They just released uh, the 50s players, uh, the, the, the you know top 60 players in the NFL. So they'll do 50s tomorrow, I assume. So uh, something that stuck out to me that just just – Blew me away. I'll get to that later in today's show. But first, as I teased yesterday, there was a <laughs> there was a story revolving around the Denver Broncos, and more specifically, the head coach Sean Payton about you know he's he's making noise, right? He's he's interviewed by Jarrett Bell of USA Today. Jarrett Bell is one of the most respected reporters in the NFL, and Sean Payton goes nuclear on former Broncos coach Nathaniel Hackett and the Broncos coaching staff as a whole. Uh, here's the answer. It's a little long, but I'll read it out for you because it is scathing. And Sean Payton is the future Hall of Fame head coach. Here's what he said about uh, Nathaniel Hackett's season with the Denver Broncos last year. And I quote, It might have been one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL. There's 20 dirty hands for what was allowed, tolerated in the freaking training rooms, the meeting rooms, the offense. I don't know Hackett. A lot of people had dirt in their hands. It wasn't just Russell. He didn't just flip. He still has it. This BS that he hit a wall, shoot, they couldn't get a play in. They were 29th in the league in pre-snap penalties on both sides of the ball. It doesn't happen often where an NFL team or organization gets embarrassed, and that happened here. Part of it was their own fault relative to spending so much blanking time trying to win the offseason, the PR, the pop and circumstance, marching people around and all this stuff. Everything I heard about last season, we are doing the opposite. And he's talking about Russell Wilson. He said, quote, that wasn't his fault. That was the parents who allowed it. That's not an incrimination on him, but an incrimination on the head coach, the GM, the president, and everybody else who watched it all happen. Whoa. <laughs> Sean Payton. 
is is uh is, is pulling about the same amount of punches, so to speak, as he did uh, during Bounty Gate on Brett Favre. I mean, my goodness, just I mean, laying it all out there, ripping Nathaniel Hackett and the Broncos coaching staff from 2022 to shreds. Obviously, as as folks out there probably know, I was a I was a big buyer of the Denver Broncos last season so much I actually predicted them to hoist the Lombardi Trophy, and it's a prediction I still regret to this very day. But you know, I'm starting to buy slower and slower more into the Broncos. But Sean Payton did something I did not like today. He took a question regarding his comments to the USA Today, and here's what he said. You know, I said this to the team in the meeting yesterday. We've had a great offseason relative to that, you know, and I've been preaching that message, and here I am, the veteran, um, you know, stepping in it. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a learning experience for me. It was a mistake, obviously. I needed a little bit more filter. Um, you know, there's a pound of flesh for these guys. And, and as a coach, you stick up for them. And after a while, you know, we're past that season last year. And, and you know, I said what I said. And, and obviously, I needed it a little bit more uh, restraint. And uh, I regret that. Um, that being said, what I told the team is, you know, if it can happen, and I, I'm th I think I'm pretty good relative to working with the media and, and pretty savvy, and I just had one of those moments. Jared's a good friend, uh, real good at his job, and uh, two lattes in the morning, first, first one I see, and 40 minutes later, I'm, I'm regretting it, so... Uh, it is what it is. Supporting Russ was part of the motivation? Yeah, listen, absolutely. And, and these guys, and, and I said it to them last night, you guys deserve the best teaching in the world. We're going to give it to you. They really do. Um, they're the best players in the world. And, and they, deserve, um, they deserve a chance. And now it's not going to be easy. And, uh, yeah. Okay, so Sean Payton walks back those comments. Uh, he he went on to also talk about how sometimes he forgets that he's not wearing the Fox hat. Obviously, he worked uh, at Fox Sports last year as and did a fantastic job as an NFL analyst with their pre uh, with their pregame show. And he said sometimes I forget that I'm not wearing a Fox hat anymore. I'm wearing a Broncos hat. And obviously, as the head coach of the Denver Broncos, I didn't like this. Not the statements he made yesterday, or the day before rather to the USA Today, Jarrett Bell. I didn't like the fact that he walked it back because it felt like to a certain degree you had Robert Sala of the New York Jets, the head coach, talking about how, you know, he we, sometimes you don't you, you just you don't care what people say. And Robert Sala says something to the effect of you have haters when you've accomplished something, something along those lines, like if, 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 if you don't have haters, you haven't accomplished anything. Because obviously Nathaniel Hackett is now the offensive coordinator for Aaron Rodgers and the New York Jets. And so Robert Sell is taking up for his OC. He's taking up for his coaching staff. And there's been a lot of pushback from the Jets, uh, from Jets players. And you've had the media kind of going after, after Sean Payton. Here's, here's the first reason I didn't like it. The Broncos and Jets play in week six if I'm not mistaken. Week six, uh, the, the the Jets go to Denver. I believe that's the CBS game on national television to take on uh, the Denver Broncos. My, my bad, week five. This story isn't going to just fade off in the ether. Maybe through training camp it will. Maybe we'll get to 
mid-August, there's preseason games, and we're talking about that. And, hey, this Broncos relative to Denver. Hey, this starter maybe could make a difference. This rookie could, could, could make the team and all that. This story would kind of disappear. Uh, but trust me, when week five rolls around in Denver, Colorado, this story's coming back up. Now, fortunately for the Broncos, they're not going to New York to play the Jets. It's a home game on the West Coast. Jets go to their house. But I feel like for Sean Payton, this is kind of his first opportunity as the Broncos head coach to, as he said, talk about, hey, it's the, the reporter asked him, was some of this defending Russell Wilson? He said, absolutely. Stand on that. Stand on defending your quarterback. Stand on defending your team saying, hey, you guys deserve. You guys are the, some of the best football players in the world. You deserve the best coaching. I don't know how I feel as a Broncos player today hearing my coach say, yeah, I probably shouldn't have, have gone that far. Not in, in the sense of, oh, my coach just turned my back. I mean, not in that, not to that extreme, but that, oh, wow, he just he's just sort of backed down. You know, once we get to a late game two-minute situation, is our coach going to be hesitant? Now, that's not Sean Payton's record. We know he's, a, again, a future Hall of Fame head coach. He's one of the three or four best offensive coaches in the NFL. Really, the, the guy who sort of helped revitalize Drew Brees' career into what we know him to be now as himself a future first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback. But I didn't love how he didn't stand on it. He sort of let the media, and I think more importantly, Robert Sala and the Jets kind of bully him out of it. Because if we if we know anything about Sean Payton, even before his broadcast career at Fox, when the guy makes a comment, he stands on it. Certainly he did with the New Orleans Saints. And for him to back off now with the Denver Broncos, especially this early into training camp, when you are in the process of building a culture, obviously you had OTAs, you had the entire offseason, get to know players. Maybe you had an offseason fishing trip, for all I know, uh, with certain players on the team. This is an opportunity to build a culture, to set a standard that not necessarily will be the biggest talkers in the NFL, like the Cincinnati Bengals, for example, but when we make a statement, We'll go back it up because we are a good enough football team to do that. Our defense is top five in the NFL by just about every metric. Russell Wilson, we expect him to bounce back, getting much better coaching this year. They've got good weapons, an improved offensive line. Yes, it's a tough division, but given the coaching staff, given the roster, Denver's absolutely good enough to be one of the seven best teams and therefore a playoff team in the AFC. I just didn't love how Sean Payton just backed away. This was just kind of his first opportunity to make a statement I should say, in addition, on to the statement he already made. And he sort of backed off. I don't know if he talked to ownership, the general manager, basically saying, hey, walk this back. We don't want this being a distraction. I'm sorry, it's training camp. Would it have been that big of a distraction? Maybe if this has happened in week three, I'd feel differently. If this was week three and two weeks out of the Jets game, he's he's talking about Nathaniel Hackett and, man, we're, you know, we're doing a much better job than last year's staff did. That's a little different. But training camp, it's late July. We got the rest of this month. We got all next month. We got the season. We've got two and a half months before they even face the Jets. This story will, will regardless of what Sean Payton says now until up until that point, this story is going to resurface the week of that Jets game. And so I don't know if I love, you know, regardless, it's going to be bulletin board material for the Jets. Robert Saul is bringing this, this back out. Aaron Rodgers is going to want to avenge his buddy and his OC, Nat Hackett. I don't know. I didn't love how this, how, how, how the apology kind of came off for Sean Payton. Maybe it was just a way to temper it down. I don't know. Sean Payton's as, as media savvy as anybody, but I didn't like how he just kind of backed away from it. Got a comment here from a Jets fan. 
Mr. John Rivera of the Fam Perspective Podcast. He says, let's go, Jets. Well, you know, listen, John. John is as loyal Jets fan as, as you'll ever meet. Uh, he's He as well as, you know, like my guy Alfred. Shout out to Alfred and who all Jets Nation, man. They, they've been through a lot. So I'm slowly. I talked about them on Monday and I talked about them yesterday. And by the way, Jets are in the news again today. Maybe they get Dalvin Cook. You know, that pay cut from Aaron Rodgers may, may pay dividends to a certain degree. I don't know. I, I would use it to go trade for an offensive lineman. Because he got the money to pay him. The question is, do they have the assets, you know, to make it happen? But that's what I would do if I were the Jets, because that's really the only, I guess, cause for concern of that roster is the offensive line isn't as good as you would hope for it to be. Certainly Aaron Rodgers is used to some great offensive lines. Not great, great skill position players in Green Bay, but great offensive lines throughout his time in the NFC North. And it's not quite to that level with the New York Jets. But you assume potentially Nat Hackett puts together an offense that's, Maybe not a ton of deep shots. You know, Aaron hasn't been one of the better deep throwing quarterbacks um, as as his career has spanned later and later. Certainly during the playoffs, and so maybe a kind of a kind of what what you saw in Tampa Bay with Brady, like very you know quick drop back that get the ball out of your hands quickly kind of offense. Because remember Tampa, remember Bruce Arians. Not to get entirely into a Jets uh, topic, but remember Bruce Arians talked about no risk it, no biscuit. That was a saying, and Tom Brady was taking more deep ball shots than he had probably in his entire time in New England combined. And the Bucs were fine. They were 7-5 and five at the bye. But Tom went to, uh, who was the OC at the time? Uh, oh, my gosh, the quarterback. Uh, oh, my gosh, I'm blanking on his name. He almost got the job in Jacksonville. I don't know. He's he's not coming to my mind immediately. But the OC for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he goes to him. He says, you know what? Let's change this offense a little bit. Let's make it look a little bit what it looked like in New England, which is efficient. Accurate, get the ball to your hands quickly, that type of offense. So maybe. Let's see. Yeah, John Rivera says Cook will be a Jet. It sure sounds that way because Dalvin Cook went on Good Morning Football today. And thank you, John. John, he said Byron Leftwich. That's who it was. I'm like, former quarterback. I know he played for the Steelers. I should have known this because he, I remember he had a, a good game for Pittsburgh back in 2012 uh, when he was the backup quarterback. So yeah. It was a solid OC in, in Tampa Bay. But yeah, back to John John's first comment. He says Cook will be a Jet. He went on Good Morning Football this morning. And I forgot what the question was, something along the lines of, hey, are you going to be a New York Jet? And he says, yeah. Like, without saying yes, yes, he said it sure looks that way. So, feels like it's, we're just kind of waiting on the contract, see what happens, but we'll see. Uh, by the way, real quick NBA news. This just came in from, from Damian Lillard and his agent, Aaron Goodwin. So remember there was the report. I haven't talked about Dame in a while. I'm just, I think I'm I'm like everybody else. I just want this trade to get done with Miami. But Dame said, or there was that report that Dame and his agent basically told everybody. I remember talking about this on the show when the story broke that tell call his other teams, say, don't even make an offer. Dame's not going to play for you. He only wants to go to Miami. And that to a certain degree has it. Austin Rivers talked about it, how that's not the greatest look for Dame where it's like, uh, you're not a free agent like this. You don't choose where you go. This isn't like LeBron in 2010 or KD in 2016 or Kawhi in 2019. This isn't one of those situations where the star decides where he goes. This is Portland's trying to get going to try and get the best offer for them. Best opportunity for Dame to play for a championship contender. And they go by, you know, go off of that. But uh, so it's not the greatest look for Dame, but here's a statement from, this is from the Miami Herald. This is quote Goodwin, who's Dame's agent. Quote, Goodwin and Lillard affirmed to us that Lillard would fully perform the services called for under his player contract in any trade scenario. The relevant teams provided descriptions of their communications with Goodwin that were mostly, though not entirely, consistent 
with Goodwin's statements to us. Okay, so I guess essentially what that's saying is that that report that Dame only is going to play for Miami, he refuses to play for by everybody else. I guess they're saying that's that's a bit exaggerated, but it, it, I'd be shocked if it's not Miami. It's not going to be the Clippers who I read today are not putting together really serious offers for James Harden. Again, I don't know if James Harden really puts the Clippers that much closer to championship contention. That's another increasingly injury-prone player who doesn't play defense. You have to give up some assets to, to go get James. I don't know. And I suggested a three-team three, three team trade where James ends up on the Clippers, Dame ends up on the Sixers, and then Portland gets a bunch of uh, of, of prospects and good veterans from, from both of those teams. I, I think that could potentially make some sense. I don't know if the salary caps uh, you know, work, or the, uh, the, um, the contracts work, but we'll see. Uh, by the way, I just wanted to let you all know, uh, uh, the Boston Red Sox are playing the San Francisco Giants tonight with an opportunity potentially this weekend. We'll see what happens with the Blue Jays, with the Astros, you know. Blue Jays playing the Angels. Angels playing good baseball. Maybe those those Boston Red Sox have a chance to get that, get officially into that into that into those wild card uh, spots. Again, it is July. We've got, you know, a couple months left in the season, but the Red Sox are Red Sox playing pretty good baseball. Matter of fact, better baseball than anybody in the sport right now, so... My man Bloom's going to do a good job, and I, I'm looking forward to that trade deadline on Tuesday. It's going to be fun. Okay. What was not fun is if you were a Cincinnati Bengals fan for about an hour and a half yesterday, and I talked about it briefly to start the show, the breaking news that Joe Burrow had injured his calf in practice. We had showed the video uh, again last time. Here's the injury. Uh, so Joe's dropping back here. He's looking. He's going to roll out to his right. Non-contact injuries hopping on his, his, his left leg. His right calf is injured. You see, he goes down, and he immediately grabs the calf. Now, obviously, the initially, I was worried, like, oh, crap, could this be Achilles? But the good news is he clearly grabs the calf. A, B, he, if you watch the play again, he rolls out to his right, and when the injury occurs, when he starts limping on one leg, he doesn't look behind him. Like, that is almost always a telltale sign that when someone tears an Achilles or ruptures an Achilles, it almost feels like somebody kicked them. And so they look behind like, man, who kicked me? It's like, oh, shoot, I might have tore my Achilles. You never saw that from Burrow. And third and finally, and most importantly, somebody not just on the field, but somebody knows Joe Burrow as well as anybody on the planet, Jamar Chase, said that Joe, when he was being carted off, kind of gave him the nod saying, we're good, everything's all right. And a report came in today uh, from Adam Schefter, uh, you know, not, not that long ago, saying that Joe Burrow was, this came in a couple hours ago, that Zach Taylor, head coach of the Bengals, told reporters that he expects Joe Burrow to be sidelined, quote, several weeks due to his calf injury. So we don't know if he's going to be ready for week one against Cleveland, whatever the case may be. Obviously, if he's, I mean, this goes without saying, if he were done for the season, the Bengals are not a playoff team. With It's a good roster. If you know Burrow, nothing works. I was thinking about this whole situation especially in the context of the fact that we've had three quarterbacks get a big contract this offseason. Lamar Jackson, actually Jalen Hurts before. Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, and just a few days ago, Justin Herbert, who was obviously in Joe Burrow's draft class and has been highly successful, although not as successful as Burrow. And Joe has been talking recently about how he wants to get a contract done that works for him, and that works for the team. He, he, he wants everybody to, do, again, to use an old Jerry Jones phrase, everybody to get a piece of the pie. 
Jamar Chase is going to get paid soon. T. Higgins is going to get paid really soon. He was drafted in the same class, same uh, same class as Joe Burrow in the second round in 2020. You know, do they keep Tyler Boyd? Are they able to keep some of their good defensive players? I saw they signed Hendrickson to a one-year extension. Sam Hubbard, some of their good corners. Offensive linemen, are they able to keep these guys in-house? And Joe's like, hey, I want to keep this together while still getting paid. And there's been a lot of speculation about, hey, will Joe Burrow pull a Tom Brady? Remember Tom Brady for 20 years in New England took pay cut after pay cut after pay cut so they could bring in players. It wasn't until, and there was a number of, there were a number of reasons Tom left New England after the 2019 season. But I, I said on my show, I think a big reason he left was he took all these pay cuts so that they could get better players. But when nobody was going to New England, they didn't go after big free agents. They didn't retain some of their star players. They let them go elsewhere where they got paid handsomely. He's like, okay, why am I taking pay cuts if you're not using the money I would have made to get better players or to keep our already good ones? And that frustrated Tom. Tampa, that one, that, that one, the the issue there. They they paid their guys. They paid Tom pretty well. But there was speculation. Hey, Bengals got a lot of talent. Maybe bring some guys in the future. They just brought in Orlando Brown. Highly talented left tackle from the Chiefs. I think Kansas City made a big mistake in letting him walk. But you look at Cincinnati, you look at how talented that roster is, offense, defense, and even special teams. You say maybe Joe Burrow takes a pay cut. And then this happens. I liken it to in a lesser sense. You've got a situation where you I, I've been to Disney many times, Disney World in in Orlando. It's 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 I I listen, there's there's three topics I'm genuinely obsessed obsessed in sports, politics, and Disney World. Love all three. But it's like when you go to Disney for the first time and it's chaotic, you know, but, but you got you've got these these big dreams. You're like, it's a magical place on earth. You see all these highlights and the commercials, and everybody they're taking pictures with Mickey Mouse and all that. But then you go through those gates, and that heat hits you like a freaking sauna. That Florida heat's different, y'all, especially now this time of year. And there's crowds and crowds and crowds of people. There's not that much breathing room within the crowds. you got a plan to ride this right at this time, but there's a scheduling conflict, and then it comes a rainstorm, and you got to adjust on the fly. you got to change your schedule, and it, there comes a point in time where you're like, you know what? Maybe this doesn't fit exactly what I thought it was going to be, but we're going to make the most out of it. It changes your, your viewpoint. This happens in life all the time in, in great examples. Maybe if a relative in the, in the family passed away, do you decide to take the promotion elsewhere? You know, or not, or stay home to be with the family. I think Joe Burrow's in a situation kind of like that, where it's all about the pay cut, be the team first, keep the guys. But then this happens because remember, Joe Burrow did screw up his knee pretty bad in the middle of the 2020 season, probably cost him rookie of the year because Joe Burrow was having a sensational rookie season before he got injured against Washington mid mid year. He had the appendectomy last year. I believe he had an injury going into 2021 training camp. And now this. So, so Joe's body hasn't held up. It hasn't been bad. It hasn't been to the level of, say, like a Sam Bradford or somebody. But Joe's dealt with some injuries. Joe's dealt with some nagging stuff. Again, the appendectomy last year. Now this the very scary situation with the calf. And I can imagine through these next several weeks, listen, Joe knows the off. Joe doesn't need training camp. He knows the Bengals offense. He's got to report with the players. That's not going to be the issue. But I guarantee you sits back and looks and he's like, okay, 
I know what I've accomplished. I've been to a Super Bowl, been to an AFC title game. I'm universally recognized as the second best quarterback in the sport and the best quarterback in the sport. I've beaten him three times. I've been as accomplished as any player in the league absent winning an MVP or a Super Bowl. But I've had these scares. I've had these really close calls. Maybe I should probably go and get the money while I can. I think a very similar situation with Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott betting himself. Now, Dak is not the level of Joe Burrow. I'm a Dak fan. That goes without saying Dak is not Joe Burrow. But Dak bet himself. Dak took the risk, and it almost cost him. Week 5, 2020, the ankle injury, misses the entire season, Cowboys struggle, and he gets the four-year contract, $160 million that next offseason. It's a risky bet. That's why Lamar Jackson, when he got hurt in December, and I said a few weeks after it was apparent that Lamar was was probably, I should say milking the injury. That's that's too harsh. But extending his, his absence longer than we thought it probably should have been extended. I remember coming on the show saying, don't play another snap the rest of the season, Lamar. Let the Ravens struggle without you, and do not step back on that football field until you get a long-term deal. Lamar's locked up long-term. He's got his money. He's good. Now he can just focus on, on his, his body, his teammates, and winning football games. Same with Dak Prescott. Now, Joe is a much better quarterback than both of those guys are. But there comes a point in time where you have plans, you have expectations, you have, you know, this is how it's going to be. I, I, I'm ready for whatever. And then hurricane hits, tornado hits, and it kind of changes your viewpoint, your, your, your expectations on life. I think you're seeing that you could potentially see that with Joe Burrow over the next few weeks. He's not going to be on that field. He's going to be itching to get back out there, but he's also going to think about his long-term future from a health standpoint and from a compensation standpoint. So listen, Joe's going to get paid. There's no question about it. he's, he's spectacular. That goes without saying, but I can imagine he sits back and thinking maybe I'm going to be a little bit harder of a negotiator. Once we get to the table, when that time comes, so, if I'm Joe Burrow, no one to leverage. I have. <laughs> Again, the Bengals, pre-Joe Burrow, had not won a playoff game since George Bush was president. Not that George Bush, the, the first George Bush. In the early 90s. And you see what they've accomplished with Joe. I'm not stepping back onto that football field in Cincinnati or elsewhere until I've got that long-term contract as maybe not even the highest-paid player in the league, but top three. That's my mindset if I'm Joe. But we'll see what happens. I would that, Again, that's my mindset. Sometimes you have plans. You have a way that you, you're going to approach things. And then you have something that kind of scares the you-know-what out of you. That could have been catastrophic what happened to Joe yesterday. Without a long-term deal. Now, probably would have gotten eventually. But what if it was an Achilles? And so now that's screwed up leg first year. Uh, third-year appendectomy, and then this calf scare had that, God forbid, been an Achilles. That's a whole season and a half that Joe Burrow has not played in his four-year NFL career. Sometimes crisis changes things, changes your mindset at times. We'll see. Hope he gets every penny. I really do. John Rivera says, I think six to eight weeks. That That is from what I've heard from... Reporters around the situation, it sounds like that, uh, which obviously if, if that's the case, he of course misses the very start of the season. Um, 
And John, John, John also says, Joe going to get paid this year. I think before the season, I, again, I, I, I'm not taking the field if I'm him without that, without that long-term security have to get it. Listen, you can be as good as Joe Burrow, but folks, you never know. You never know. And the, could this calf thing be something that plagues him the whole season? Like remember something too with, 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 with Burrow, not just the long-term deal. He's got to think about his body as well. This it'd be different to a certain extent if he injured his calf in week 14. And the Bengals are right in the middle of the playoff hunt. Again, I think they play in the toughest division in, in the NFL. You got the Ravens, who I think are title contenders, my Steelers, who are absolutely contenders to make the playoffs, and the Browns who are contenders to make the playoffs. That's a brutal division with some great defenses and really good quarterback play and excellent coaching. Like they're gonna be right in the thick of that mix. If Burroughs injury costs them or could cost them a first round buy or even the division itself, and he got to go on a road playoff run. Does Burrow, assuming he has a long-term deal, of course, does he try and rush back? Probably. Again, I, I likened it to Kevin Durant last year where Katie came back too early because the circumstances, I guess, told Katie, it's like, hey, it's game five of the finals. Like, this is, we're down 3-1. We kind of need you to come back. And he looked great first quarter and unfortunately ruptured the Achilles second quarter and missed a year and a half of basketball. Could that also be going in Joe's mind? So given that this happened at the beginning of training camp, don't, don't worry about getting that on that field until that calf is 100%. Remember, the Bengals did start 0-2 last season. Lost to Pittsburgh, lost to Dallas, and they came within basically a penalty of getting to a second straight Super Bowl. So, Joe, don't go back out there until A, that calf is 100%, and B, more importantly, until you got that long-term deal. John John says he's going to get a deal like Pat. Team-friendly, but still the bag. Yeah, that's, I mean, that that was, it's crazy. Mahomes is now, what, the seventh highest paid quarterback? Because <laughs> Mahomes took a, it was 10 years. So that in itself is team friendly because he doesn't hit at free agency for a decade plus because he's still at the end of his rookie contract. But the 450 mil is, well, that's 450 mil. That's, that's a, that's a lot of, it's a lot of dough. So we got the bag and the team gets him long-term. Like that's, that's as good of a deal as you could possibly hope for if you're a team with a superstar quarterback, especially a guy who's, who's, I think the fourth greatest quarterback all time already. So I could see that, John John. Both sides win. Cincinnati gets him, gets him long term. Joe gets the back. That's a great point. Something else, too. Speaking of quarterbacks who got paid. So uh I was I was looking, and we talk about Joe's gonna get paid eventually, and then you'll have Trevor Lawrence the year after that, in all likelihood. Um but I was looking at the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL, just in general. I was I was like, okay, where where are we at? Where's where's Herbert at? Where's you know now that he got just recently got his deal and Jalen Hurts, Aaron Rodgers just took a pay cut. And I was looking at the list. And I said, oh wait a minute, tied for ninth with Matt Stafford and somehow Daniel Jones, Dak Prescott. You know, it's, I'm, I'm old enough to remember just two years ago when Dak got that contract and people lost their you-know-what. How could you possibly make Dak Prescott the highest paid? Oh, people were clutching their purses. You have no idea. And now he's the ninth highest paid quarterback. That's about where he's ranked. I've got him eighth, but that's about where, if you want to put him ninth, I'm not, I'm not losing sleep over that. He's top 10, highest paid. Well, look at this list. He's the ninth highest paid quarterback. 
It kind of evens itself out. The market always, always, always eventually evens itself out with where these guys get paid. Again, it's all about when they get paid. But Dak Prescott, the big story surrounding him a year ago was the interceptions. As we all know, not only did he lead the league in interceptions with 15, but he did so after missing five games. Week two through six, he was out, didn't play. He had the thumb injury, came back. He obviously threw one pick in week one and then threw 14 in the ensuing uh, weeks after that, the ensuing 11 weeks uh, following the injury. But Dak was talking yesterday during Cowboys training or after Cowboys practice about they were asking about the interceptions. Apparently, he's thrown two this training camp. One of them, by the way, was tips. Just want that on record. But he was talking about that and how he promises lesser interceptions, but his aggressive mindset has not changed. I'm not going to stop being aggressive. Uh, Ten or tipped, whatever, whatever you say it is. Um, I am going to lessen my interception numbers. I am going to lessen my interception numbers. Uh, that is a guaranteed. Um, but we're trying to gain chemistry here. We're trying to be aggressive. As I said, that's who our coach is. And so uh, and that's who I am. That's, that's the confidence I've gained in myself. And I've worked so hard to be able to, to have this confidence and be able to make the throws that I'm making. So Dax says, hey, I promise. The, the, the interceptions are coming down. Not throwing 15 this year. And it, you heard him allude to the whether it's 10 or tipped because Dak had a, com uh, a comment recently that was misquoted. Uh, he said, I'm not going to throw 10 interceptions this, this year. And it was reported, the, or he, Dak said, I'm not going to have, we're going to make sure there's not any tipped interceptions. And it was reported as 10. I can understand, I guess the two words sound pretty familiar. Uh, and so there was the whole, you know, kerfuffle i guess and 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 i guess kerfuffle is not the word to use but confusion and dak was sort of losing to that in a in a comedic sense or a funny sense i talked about it last year that did dak prescott have an interception problem in 2022 absolutely no question about it you don't throw a 15 without it something going wrong and it be your fault it just wasn't in the sense that a lot of folks were thinking about how many of those interceptions out of those 15 do you think were either bad reads or on the other the other side of the coin, drop passes by the receiver, miscommunication from the receiver, tipped passes as Dak alluded to before, numerous. Through one interception against the Giants. Where it was a miscommunication with the receiver. Same thing with the Bears pick. Both Packers picks. But he also threw interceptions like against the Texans. Or against the Commanders. Or his two picks. Really second one more so against the 49ers in the playoff game. But this whole notion that, that's, been, that's been circulating. And I guess I don't know if it's because the, Dak's the Cowboys quarterback. And that's what makes him polarizing. I don't know. I was looking at this. The most interceptions thrown by quarterbacks in the NFL since 2016. That's the year Dak came in. That's the year he started in place of Tony Romo. He's obviously been the Cowboys man since. I don't think there's any surprise. Uh, Jameis Winston is first place in that category despite being a backup most of the last, uh, most of those years since 2016. He leads with 81. Uh, Matt Ryan has more picks than Dak. Kirk Cousins has more picks. Phillip Rivers, folks, retired Three years ago, he has more picks than Dak since 2016, and so does Derek Carr. Andy Dalton was Dak's backup at one point. He has been a backup quarterback for many years, and or for many games in the NFL, rather, and Andy Dalton has more, and 
Matthew Stafford has played one more game than Dak, and he still has six more picks than Mr. Prescott. Jared Goff, and I've been here, and I, by the way, I've, I've come around to Jared Goff. I kind of like him now. But Jared Goff is not as good as Dak Prescott. Now, Jared Goff has played three more games than Dak, has five more picks. Carson Wentz was a backup a lot of last year in Washington and missed most of the 20, or uh, uh, the last half of the, the last quarter, I should say, of the 2017 season. He also has more picks than Dak. For the record, Baker Mayfield has played 25, 25 less games than Dak, and he only has one fewer interception. Ben Roethlisberger retired two years ago, and and he has one fewer interception. Uh, Dak Prescott in 19 less games, for that matter. That aside, so that doesn't even put Mahomes in the fray. He was drafted in 2017, didn't become the Chiefs' starting quarterback until 2018. Josh Allen was drafted in 2018 uh, and had a rough rookie season. That doesn't even factor in those guys, at least since 2016. You know, they, they weren't in the league from that span on. I love that Dak, because I, I heard that initial quote that was misquoted where Dak said, I'm not going to throw 10 interceptions. And I saw that. I was like, ah, I don't, I don't know if I love that. Like, yeah, you prefer your quarterback not to throw picks, but I did. I don't, I don't think I have the graphic anymore. Uh, yeah, I don't where it was a list of quarterbacks that have current quarterbacks that have had in, uh, 10 interception seasons. And it's basically every quarterback in the league aside from Jalen hurts, like all of them. Mahomes has Stafford had 20 plus. The year the Rams won the Super Bowl. Evidently didn't hurt them that bad in the playoffs. Uh, Kyla Murray has and Tua has and, 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 and Matt Ryan, who again recently retired, and Josh Allen has had plenty of those. Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers, plenty of guys have had double-digit interception seasons. So that's that wasn't my concern. It was the decision-making. It was the bad reads. It was something that was very uncharacteristic for Dak Prescott his first six years in the league. Turnovers wasn't, you know, you heard the quote from Jerry Jones. Remember where he said turnovers aren't in his DNA? He's kind of right. That's That wasn't, I mean, Dak threw four picks his rookie year. Like, that's not an issue of his. So I have no doubt that he's going to fix it, but also not losing that aggressiveness. Because the fact of the matter is, <sighs> given how limited the Cowboys receiving core is, yes, yeah, C.D. Lamb's tremendous. Put him aside. Given the consistent inability to separate, but Michael Gallup, who's kind of a one-trick pony, is just a deep threat, and that's about it. Brandon Cooks, same thing. And add on to him, he can't stay healthy. And some guy named Jalen Tolbert. Dak's going to have to fit some balls into, into tight windows. By the way, I believe he was top three in the NFL a year ago in tight window throws. So there you go. The Cowboys, as a receiving core, were dead last. Dead last in yards of separation per play. So he's going to have to be aggressive by necessity. So I don't want to see Dak be timid or be like, I don't want to take that risk. I don't want to see that. Mahomes doesn't do that. Now, again, Mahomes is a different level, but Josh Allen doesn't do that. And Hurts increasingly hasn't done that. I mean, I've criticized Aaron Rodgers in the past. Like, bro, Aaron, take a, take a risk from, from time to time. You know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, you're up, you're up 10, second quarter, Maybe try and fit that one ball into a tight window, midfield, second and five. If it gets picked, it gets picked. It is what, listen, crap happens. It's football. Dak mentioned, uh, it wasn't in that in that clip, but Dak mentioned that press conference. Listen, man, it's football. There, turnovers are going to happen. But you could say the fact that what Dak's dealing with from a receiving core standpoint, 
He's probably going to throw double-digit interceptions. That, I'm not. That's not my concern. I'll say ten or eleven, eleven max. But as long as he maintains that aggressiveness, long as he fixes the issues he had regarding reads, that won't be a problem for Dak moving forward. So I saw that, and it's 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 like man, every. I almost feel like we've gotten to a point where. Because initially, the, the expectations were were big. I think starting year two for Dak, coming off of that excellent rookie season, and he had a disappointing year two. Didn't, I think it was probably the worst year of his career. Uh, year three, when he got a competent receiver in Amari Cooper midseason, took off, was one of the best quarterbacks in the league at that point, had a solid 2019, an amazing 2020 before the injury. He was putting up in just matted numbers, uh, throwing for freaking like four or 500 yards a game. 2021, I think, was the best season of his career. Again, his pass rating from that span from 18 to 21 went up every single year. And then in 2022, you know, Troy and I heard talk about the other day, like Dak actually had a pretty good season, but the interceptions kind of overshadowed it. And I understand that. But fixing the bad read interceptions, but the dropped, you know, through the hands of Noah Brown or Peyton Hendershot, like those, those are gonna happen. Like you can't, you can't worry about those and, and worry about, hey, is the receiver gonna catch it? And I know that's not how Dak's wired. You know, again, he's 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 going to year eight. He's a veteran quarterback at this point. He's right in the right at the edge of the top ten. Right, I've got him at eighth. Um, some may have him higher. Some may have him lower. But that's about where I've got him. But this notion that Dak is just this turnover machine. Oh, watch out for the Dak interceptions in twenty twenty three. Don't buy into that. By the way, I do want to say this too because, like I announced on Monday when I announced my Pittsburgh Steelers. Is my new NFL team very, very excited about that? It's just like it's like the the anticipation for the season for obvious reasons. It's football, but also it being first year as a Steelers fan, lifelong as as a lifelong Steelers fan moving forward, certainly is is very exciting. With I'm I'm hoping to at some point get a TJ Watt jersey, a hoodie. Got my terrible. I don't have my terrible towel on me right now, but I got the terrible towel I showed off on Monday. But I also announced that. I'm, I mean, it's, it's Pittsburgh through and through. Like I'm, I'm rolling with the Steelers from here until the day I die. But also, I felt that it was kind of betrayal to a certain degree to just ditch Dak. Like it wouldn't feel enough to just oh, I'll root for him. like oh, I hope Dak does well. No, no, no. Like still actively root for Dak the same way that I had the last two years. So sort of stick with that. Um, the, the Dak hat will come out once again this season, whether y'all <laughs> whether y'all like it or not. I know the Cam fan guys. Shout out to the Cowboys Cam fan guys. They love the Dak hat. They've uh, they asked me where to get it. I think Dak's got a website where you can get those. So uh, just just reference reference that for them. But by the way, carving it up merch as well is available. Uh, if you check my Instagram, the link is there. But uh, you can get a little carving it up merch. But yeah, but think about it this way: the the way that I've supported Dak the last two seasons, that's not going to change this year. I'm just a Steelers fan first. And I actually checked, too. I checked this. Um, I went through and looked at the Steelers schedule and the Cowboys schedule. If I have it here. Okay. So, the Steelers schedule and the Cowboys schedule. There's only three games. Or two games, rather. Uh, we'll see what happens with Week 18. They never announced the times for those games because... The times for those games or those games are dependent on how big those games are. Obviously, it's all divisional matchups. But until week 18, the Steelers and Cowboys schedule only conflict twice. So I'll be able to watch one and then the other. So that 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 works great. That works great. Let's see, we got a comment here. Yeah, there you go. The Cam fan guys are in the building. Alex Johnson, crack him if you got him. There you go. Yeah, listen, I got I, listen, I gotta shout out the Cam fan guys. They're the best. 
do awesome stuff. Can't listen. Can't wait for the season. I can't think. Y'all gotta have me on one of your shows. Gotta have me on one of your shows sometime this season. Okay. We'll do a home and home. I'll have, you know, if I can have the whole campaign group, that'd be awesome. I know I had Adam on during Super Bowl week, which was a blast. We, we got to do a home and home this year, uh, you know, with the carving up in the Cowboys campaign podcast. That'll, that'll definitely be fun. But God, football is so close. Where are we, 41 days away? Ooh. Let's go. That close. By the way, just got this uh, real quick from, from 49ers training camp. And as y'all know, the 49ers were finals with the Steelers uh, to, to be my new NFL team. I chose the Steelers. But uh, real quick with the 49ers, there's been a lot of buzz about, hey, is Brock Purdy healthy? Which Brock Purdy did practice today. He says he feels good with the obviously suffered the elbow injury in the NFC Championship game. But the sort of underreported story to a certain degree has been, hey, you got Brock Purdy, who's going to be your guy. John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan have been adamant he's our guy he's our starting quarterback no questions asked Sam Darnold who's probably gonna be a career backup at this point forward he's our backup and Trey Lance the guy we gave up all those picks for took with the third pick in 2021 yeah he's the third string he's barely played any regular season games yeah he's our third string well here's a report from from David Lombardi who covers the 49ers for the athletic he says quote Trey Lance has really struggled at practice on Friday, Lance only received four pass attempts, fewest among Brock Purdy and Sam Darnold. Out of those four attempts, he completed only one pass, and two of his three incompletions were gimmies. This according to this report uh, from David Lombardi, who covers the San Francisco 49ers. I, I was so high on Trey Lance. I mean, I, I remember saying, specifically Sam, it's funny I'm, uh, that this topic comes up because I'm about to get into one of these quarterbacks in this next segment. By the way, my theory, my NFL theory for the ratings this season at the end of the show after this upcoming segment, uh, definitely stay tuned for that about 10, 12 minutes from now. I went into that 2021 draft. I said, Trevor Lawrence will be the best quarterback. He is one of the greatest prospects we have ever seen. You think about Elway, you think about Peyton, you think about Luck, some of the most talented. We're talking about prospects. Again, Mahomes wasn't as highly touted a prospect as those guys were. Like, Trevor's in that class. He would have been, I, I know some talked about, he would have been a first-round pick out of college. He'd have been the first overall pick after his freshman year at Clemson. That's how great this kid is. About to talk about Trevor in just a second. I said, Trevor, be the best quarterback. But Lance would have the best career because Lance would be going to Shanahan and all those weapons and the culture and whatnot in San Francisco. Trevor's going to Jacksonville, who aside from a quick run with Tom Coughlin in the 90s, have a pretty uh, history. Now, they haven't been around that long. They were expansion team in the 90s, but... Vengan todos a la venta para amigos y familiares de JCPenney hasta el domingo. Usa el cupón de 30% extra en la tienda y llena tu carrito con estilo y ahorros. Y obtén hasta 60% de descuento en joyería fina y de moda. Además, ahorra hasta 40% en ropa elegante para toda la familia. Compren juntos y luzcan de lo mejor este otoño. JCPenney, vale la pena. Selección de estilos, aplican exclusiones. Cupón y oferta de ropa válidos hasta el 8 de octubre. Oferta de joyería válida hasta el 22 de octubre. Detalles en la tienda jcp.com. Not a not a whole lot of banners at uh at Jacksonville Stadium, no question about it. San Francisco, completely different story. But man, I, I was as far as 2021 quarterbacks, I was right on the money with Trey. Uh, I'm sorry, with um Trevor Lawrence. I loved him. He has not let me down. 
Zach Wilson never bought into him. Kind of small. Sure, he had a big arm, but he wasn't that accurate. Wasn't that mature. Zach's now Aaron Rodgers' backup uh, in his third year in the NFL. They gave up on him after two seasons, which is kind of unheard of. Who was the third? Trey Lance. Dead wrong on Trey Lance. Loved him. He's bombed. He's probably the a career backup from here on out. Justin Fields was, I always say, if it's a five-quarterback draft, there's two guys that are that are that dominate in the NFL, two guys that are bust, and then one guy you're like, he's fine. I mean, Justin Fields, I I think I like him. I said in the draft, I'm like, I think I like Justin Fields, but I don't know. It depends on the situation he goes to. And thus far, his record isn't great, albeit, you know, Justin Herbert is 500. So, but he's shown the ability as a runner. We'll see if he improves as a passer. But it's kind of a wait and see with Justin Fields. Year three, this is the prove it years, Bill Parcells would say. And then the last guy drafted, I think I was more accurate on him than any quarterback in any draft. And that was Michael McCorkle Jones out of the University of Alabama. And he has been a complete disaster. From people say, oh, what about his rookie season? Yeah, check his second half of his rookie season stats compared to the first half. And then go throughout last year and... In training camp, he's throwing picks and doing uh, punishment push-ups. It's been better. <laughs> it's been it's been better for Mac Jones. Speaking of that first overall quarterback in that draft, though, Trevor Lawrence. The NFL, this is their, I guess, 13th year? Yeah, 13th year doing the top 100 players list. So for those of you who don't know, it used to be on the NFL Network. Now I think it's just on their streaming platform. feels like everybody's a streaming platform these days. NFL Plus. And it's simply put where all NFL players put together a list of, of the their top 100 players in the league. And they they compile the list and they say, okay, they, they, they do the vote. Here's the top 100 players in the NFL. In the last few days, they've been putting out each episode on NFL+. Plus. I haven't watched them, but I have seen uh, the list as they've, as they've come out day by day. I saw this, and I was, um, I was quite perplexed, I must say. They have Trevor Lawrence as the 96th best player. Best player. In professional football. Not to mention. Some of the guys they have above him. They just announced the players in the 50s. So players 60 through 51. Justin Fields. Who won three games last year. Tua Tungavailoa. Who doesn't have a playoff win in his resume. And can't stay healthy. Geno Smith. Who is a career backup. And had one great season, and all of a sudden we put him above Trevor Lawrence. Lamar Jackson. You guys know I love Lamar Jackson, but he's not the athlete. Uh, I'm sorry, he's not the, he doesn't have the build as you, you would hope from a quarterback that Trevor Lawrence has. He certainly doesn't even have the arm that Trevor Lawrence has, not as accurate. And Trevor Lawrence has just as many playoff wins, being fair, as Lamar does. Jared Goff who, while Jared had a good season last year, one of the best of his career, and I keep saying the Lions are going to be the NFC Championship game this year. You just watch. Jared Goff's team went 9-8 and eight and missed the playoffs. My man, Rain Dakota Prescott. I love Dak. I will defend him until the cows come home. 
He is not as good as Trevor Lawrence. There is nothing, maybe leadership. I think Dak's maybe the best leader from the quarterback position in the NFL. On the field, the tangible stuff that you can see, there's nothing that he does better, better than Trevor Lawrence. Trevor's more accurate. Trevor's a bigger arm. Trevor moves better in the pocket. Trevor seems more comfortable in the pocket. Trevor has a better quarterback build. And finally, Aaron Rodgers. Now, you guys know I've been showering Aaron Rodgers with praise this week. I'm slowly but surely starting to buy into the Jets more and more and more in the AFC. But uh, I've got this graphic available whenever I need it. Here you go. Aaron Rodgers in 2022, 19th in yards per game, 26th in picks, 16th in passer rating, 26th in QBR, last in 300-yard pass games. Trevor was significantly better than Aaron in all of those categories. Not to mention the quarterbacks they haven't they haven't ranked yet. Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Hertz, and Herbert. If my math serves me correctly, that uh that'd be eleven quarterbacks. Eleven quarterbacks. I'm sorry, is that no twelve quarterbacks? My bad that they would have over Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. So I think Trevor Lawrence is not even, forget top 10 quarterback. They think he's right. He's been kind of, just kind of average. You know, he's 13th in the NFL. And you would check Trevor Lawrence's stats from a year ago. and be like, his pass rating was, was, was fine. His numbers are good. They're not, they don't blow you away. But as I, I did that segment yesterday that I debuted on Carving It Up, I'm going to be doing it every week from here on out, carving up the context. Those numbers lack the proper context. Because as we know, there's plenty of teams year after year that we see. They come into the fray and we're like, hey, they, this may be the shot team of X year, whatever year. In this case, 2022, a year ago. Oh, well, hey, the Chicago Bears. Yeah, look at them. They're, they're off this hot start and they might be some... And they got the first pick of the draft. They were they were they were nothing. Please, we always had that one team that dominates September. We're like, hang on, look out for them. And then once October hits, it's like, oh, they're not playing so well in November and December. And it's like, okay, can they can they tank these last few games for a high draft pick? Because coaches get film, you have injuries, all those things come into the mix. And the more think about this. The more film coaches got on Trevor Lawrence, the better he got. NFL's an 18-week season now. Shouldn't be that long, by the way. It's too long. Too dangerous for players. But it's an 18-week season. Midpoint is week nine. Week nine, first few days in November. So once you move in November, okay, the weather's starting to get colder. The playoff, the playoff bracket starts to slowly begin to take shape. That's when you separate the pretenders from the contenders. And that's if you're Trevor Lawrence, how you separate yourself from being an okay quarterback to the third best quarterback in football. Take a look at these numbers from week nine for Trevor. He was seven and two since week nine, completed basically 70% of his passes, threw for over 250 yards a game, touchdown to interception ratio 15 to two which is insane. Pass rating of 104.6. 
And Pro Football Focus from Week 9 gave him a grade of 90, only behind, you guessed it, Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow. And yet the players feel, and I respect their opinion, they, you know, they're the guys going out there and, and, and doing the hard work. They see Trevor Lawrence as the 13th best quarterback in football. I must say I'm lost. This is yet another opportunity for me to put it out there. And I don't do my NFL preseason predictions or my, I shouldn't say preseason predictions, my overall season predictions. So standings, award winners, who wins the Super Bowl. I wait until opening day to do that. So 41 more days and I'll do that episode. All I will say about Jacksonville and about Trevor Lawrence is that the Jags are a Super Bowl contender this year, even in the loaded AFC. And Trevor Lawrence is an MVP candidate in 2023. He played as good as any quarterback in the National Football League. The second half of the season, again, pro football focus. It's, they, you know, they're pretty good. They literally, their job is to sit down and consume, not, not eat, consume film every day. And they said, you know what? Only guys we got above, uh, above Trevor Lawrence from week nine on is the guy that won the MVP and the guy that got to the AFC championship game. That's it. Trevor, you're better than all of them. You're better than Hurts, who finished second for MVP. You're better than Allen. We got you over Rodgers and Lamar and Brady last year. Shouldn't that mean something toward the player ranking? Again, and I talked about this when Trevor was given, was it an 81 overall in Madden? 81? That's like Geno Smith rating. And apparently, again, the players say that Geno Smith is a is a better quarterback than Trevor Lawrence. I'm looking forward to this season. This is, you know, Bill Parcells has the old saying, I repeat it usually at this time every year, and sometimes midseason, that when you bring a young quarterback in, especially if he's a first-round pick, you bring him in and you say, Okay, this is developmental year. You're going to have a lot of bumps and bruises. It's a it's a lot of you got to learn the playbooks, got to learn the NFL works, learn, learn systems, all that. Like it's it's if you're great your rookie year, then God bless you cuz that's hard to do. But year 2, once you get to year 2, it's like okay, we need to start seeing a a drastic improvement. That's why I by the way, I think you're going to see from Kenny Pickett in Pittsburgh. I honestly got to believe that. Going to do a segment on that in the future. Stay tuned for that. By year 3, if we're not 100% certain if you're the guy or not, we move on. That's the Bill Parcells rule of, of coaching quarterbacks, and I believe in it firmly. Trevor had a terrible rookie season. Could it, I'm just throwing this out there, could it possibly have something to do with the fact that he was a rookie who inherited the worst roster in the league and arguably the worst coach in NFL history, Urban Meyer, who did not even last his first season in the NFL. Could it have something to do with that? And then once he gets an improved roster, they draft well, bring in some free agents. Calvin Ridley, Evan Ingram, upgrade the offensive line, draft to the defense. By the way, Calvin Ridley coming back this season. And then you, more importantly, I think than that, coaching is more important in the NFL than any sport with respect to basketball and baseball. You bring in Doug Peterson, Super Bowl winning head coach. By the way, Super Bowl winning head coach with Nick Foles at quarterback, outdueling the greatest quarterback ever, 
in Super Bowl 52. Couple him with a guy with the talent of Trevor. Upgraded roster. A little shaky start at first. And then he goes 7-2 and two down the stretch and plays as well as any quarterback in the National Football League. Again, passer rating in the 100s. Uh, 105 to be exact. 104.6, I believe is the number. Over 250 yards a game. Completion percentage around 70%. And Pro Football Focus gave him a 90 grade. Only below Mahomes and Burrow. So yes, as I put up my quarterback rankings, I did this after the season. Trevor Lawrence is the third best quarterback in the NFL. And we're about to find that out this season. I think it'll be pretty apparent pretty quickly. Again, for those of the podcast that are listening, here's the list. From 1 to 10, Patrick Mahomes, obviously. Joe Burrow, obviously. Then Trevor Lawrence, yes. Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott, Justin Herbert, Derek Carr. Now, that list is obviously subject to change once the NFL season starts. That's that's the beauty of the NFL. That is what I love so much about sports. Doesn't matter what you did for me yesterday, man. What have you done for me lately, as J- Janet Jackson said, or sang, rather? What have you done for me lately? Trevor Lawrence is about to do a lot, a lot of great things in the future, very near future, and expect him from the jump to be in the race for the most valuable player. Very excited to watch the Jags. Very excited to see the most talented quarterback since Peyton Manning himself do what he does. The most talented prospect, I should say, since Peyton Manning in 1998 come in. Finishing the show here. uh, So I don't believe, matter of fact, I strongly disbelieve in conspiracy theories. I think conspiracy theories are uh, for people who have way too much time on their hands. And uh, let's be honest, those people are usually kind of odd, kind of weird. I do believe, though, in basing just an idea. And not something that's actually serious that you're going to actually you know carry out or something. We saw that resulted uh, in our nation's capital two and a half years ago. But just given current events, not necessarily in politics, but current events going around in America right now, one of the big stories has been the strike in Hollywood, the writer's strike. There's no content being created right now. There's a battle between the writers, actors, but and the executives, and it's, it's, it's gotten it's gotten ugly to a certain extent. It doesn't look like it's going to be ending anytime soon. And for that reason, as this article uh, on Axios uh, is discussing, you want to give them credit where it's due. By the way, the article is called "Hollywood Strikes Upend Fall TV." Fall TV is going to look a little rough, as this article talks about. NBC, CBS, Fox, and the CW have all shaken up their fall lineups as Hollywood comes to a historic halt. And here's some of the bullet points they've got here. Again, this is according to Axios. This is an article written last week. The new schedules are heavily are heavy on game shows, which nobody watches, reality television, nobody watches that either, shows from streaming platforms, and live sports. All of NBC's popular crime drama shows from Dick Wolf, like Chicago PD and Law & Order, have been moved off of the network's fall schedule. 
Fox's fall schedule will feature WWE wrestling on Friday nights, while CBS and ABC will both turn to shows popular on streaming and cable. Paramount Network's Yellowstone will broadcast on CBS, while ABC will air Disney Plus's Miss Marvel. And before I even read this article, I'd already had something just I thought about in my head. I'm like, hang on a minute. There that this this could this strike while it sucks for the writers, and I totally defend them, by the way. And the actors as well. While it totally sucks for them. The NFL is smart people work in those NFL offices. They're seeing this and thinking, oh, here we go. I'm here to tell you right now, folks. Assuming this lockout continues for as long as it sure looks like it's going to, the 2023 NFL season will be the highest rated yet. All we got on fall TV. On again, here's the networks. NBC, CBS, Fox. It also mentions ABC in this piece. All four networks broadcast the NFL. Fox and CBS do the daytime and midday games, and NBC does Sunday night football. ABC does the occasional Monday night game. By the way, I think this will also have major major positive consequences for college football. This is as as uh, interesting a college football season we've had in some time where Georgia's the defending champions, back-to-back defending champions, by the way. They're returning. Uh, actually, they lost a bunch of their starters defensively and their quarterback and their offensive coordinator. Does How does Kirby Smart rebound? My Vols coming back. I think we're going to be in the college football playoff. What does Bama do with the quarterback situation there? And AM looking to bounce back and Texas and, and, and Colorado with Prime. All of these stories in college football, Michigan with Jim Harbaugh and the four-game suspension, a lot of stories in college football. I think it's going to benefit them as well. But as we all know, the NFL, it's why every every election cycle, 2016, 2020, I didn't have a show around 2016. I did in 20. I just laughed at the whole, oh, the NFL, it's dying because players are talking about politics and social justice. It's killing the ratings. No elections kill ratings. Check the numbers. Check 2012. No politics, no social justice uh, talk by players, and the ratings didn't, didn't you know, they, 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 they still, they went, still went down. Like that's, that's how the game goes. Could be the same in 2024. But 2023, again, if I've got the list here of the highest, uh, of the last few seasons, here, here they are. So this is since 2011. Since the 2011 season, again, you got the little asterisk there next to 12, 16, and 20 that they were election years and that the ratings went down um, every single time due to an election, which, by the way, takes our minds away and our eyeballs away and our attentions away from live sports. Last season, 16.7 million viewers per game in the NFL. I'm going to say... 20.5. I don't know if that'd be the highest rating season ever. Again, on this list, put this list back up real quick. Uh, the highest rated, by the way, for those that are listening, is 20, I guess, yeah, 2011, 19.8 million. That's the highest that we've got. But I'm just telling you, due to this writer strike, fall, t- fall TV is pretty much dead. It's as Axios talks about. Game shows, which again, and I love Family Feud, by the way. Steve Harvey's the man. But nobody watches game shows. They, they don't. Reality TV, they, it's if you don't watch the Kardashians or the, there's some there's another reality show that's popular right now. 
nobody really has the time to watch that uh, stuff. Uh, shows from streaming platforms, sure, but you can just go to the streaming platforms to watch those shows. You don't need to net watch on network TV. Just go to Hulu or Disney Plus or or Paramount Plus or Amazon, HBO, and live sports. Sundays and Mondays are going to be freaking cash cows for the NFL from a TV rating standpoint. CBS and Fox for the early games, NBC for Sunday night, ABC on some games for Monday night, and obviously ESPN as well, who does all the Monday night games. I'm just putting this out there, just a theory. It's not a, it's not a conspiracy theory. This isn't trying to insinuate something that may or may not be in the mix. No, 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 no. This is based on the evidence we have with Fall TV being pretty much destroyed by the strike. The NFL will profit off of this more than it ever has. Putting out there, 2023 will be the NFL's highest rated season ever. You can book it. And with that, that is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate you for stopping by. Be sure to catch Carving It Up Live on Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time, right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. And be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day and hit that big red subscribe button. Helps the channel grow exponentially. And be sure to go subscribe to The Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, The Grid Podcast Network, right here on YouTube, as well as any and everywhere you get your podcast, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast. We certainly hope uh, The Grid and our incredible lineup of great content creators uh, is on your list of your favorite shows. Check us out on all podcasting platforms. Please subscribe to YouTube. Please subscribe as well to Carving It Up and follow me on all social media platforms as well. It is hot as whiz outside. <laughs> it is late July. And, you know, listen, there's, there's some stuff with the, the climate has something to do with that as well. But it's hot as crap outside. Enjoy the weather if it's enjoyable. Uh, hope everybody has a great weekend. Please continue to stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. And please be sure to contact your local state representatives and senators to demand change for gun violence in America. It's going to be an interesting weekend. First weekend of training camp where all 32 teams are involved at least. Does Dalvin Cook a jet by Monday? A lot of potential storylines that we could have going into Monday's show. Should be fun. Definitely looking forward to it. Have a great weekend, y'all. Please stay safe out there. God bless y'all. He's out. And happy birthday, Dak Prescott. 30. There you go. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. And be sure to go click that big red subscribe button and check out the other clips and full shows from Carving It Up Live as well as our other incredible content creators here on the Grid Network. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever.